Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. It's that time of the year where the tournament is finally upon us. College basketball takes center stage. BetOnline is the number one spot for bets, odds, information, and the 2022 college basketball bracket contest. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using the promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, to get started today. Bet online, where the game starts. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However and whenever it is, you may be listening. Thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Believe in Houston Texans podcast live on the Believe podcast network, except it isn't live because it's a podcast. Welcome in everybody. I hope you are having a wonderful Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday or whenever it is that you may be stopping in. We are going to talk about NFL free agency here today and the uh, news surrounding the Houston Texans, which is, well, basically no news at this point. There is no news surrounding the Houston Texans as we uh, enter day two of free agency at the time of recording. No news around Deshaun Watson, therefore we have nothing to add to the conversation. If you'd like to hear the conversation that we had after Deshaun Watson uh, Harris County decided not to press charges criminally against Deshaun Watson, then you can check that out from Friday's episode, uh, or Friday's bonus episode of the Believe in Texans podcast that we recorded. So Justin Reed is leaving the Houston Texans to go to the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Terrence Brooks re-signed with the Texans. But that seems to be the bulk of the moves thus far for Houston. Nothing much to add to the situation. It was already known that Reed was probably going to leave. Uh, he was stuck in the purgatory that is the Houston Texans. They brought back Christian Kirksey, the former captain of the equally terrible 0-16 Cleveland Browns. Jeff Driscoll as a third-string quarterback. But altogether, no big moves that ended up happening for the Houston Texans. Uh, the Houston Texans find themselves in an interesting position here because last offseason, the Houston Texans were entering the midst of Deshaun Watson's legal battle. They had just fired their coach and hired David Culley. The team had gotten rid of J.J. Watt, and they didn't have their number three pick in the NFL draft or their second round pick going forward. And what was interesting is that the Houston Texans decided last offseason that they were going to use cap space, which of which they had a little bit of cap space available at their disposal, as a way to try and acquire picks as they found themselves in essentially the same situation that the Brooklyn Nets and the NBA found themselves in back in 2017. For those who may not be as familiar with what goes down in the NBA... The Brooklyn Nets traded all of their draft picks 
and for the next six years and pick swaps to get a team that began with Darren Williams and Kev, uh, Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, Joe Johnson, and Brooke Lopez. And when that team got bounced in the second round and Paul Pierce left in free agency and they traded Kevin Garnett for Thaddeus Young and they kind of fell apart after that because Darren Williams got a giant contract and got hurt and he was never the same. When all of that went down, the Brooklyn Nets found themselves in a situation where they had no cap space, no draft picks. The draft picks that they would have had for being a bad team, which ended up becoming Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, ended up helping jumpstart everything that's happened with the Boston Celtics since then. And what Brooklyn essentially did was they took on bad contracts from other teams with their newly available cap space in exchange for teams adding picks. So Demary Carroll was a really bad signing by Toronto. He was traded with a first round pick to the Brooklyn Nets. That draft pick, I believe, ended up becoming Caris Levert. Then Indiana attached a player and a pick. I can't remember which player it was now, but that pick ended up becoming Jarrett Allen. They ended up getting the pieces that would ultimately flip for James Harden years down the road. And Houston did some of this last offseason. Houston didn't have a ton of cap space, but they could throw tons of money at low-level free agents in an effort to then either flip them later on or take them on one-year low-risk, low-reward signings. Justin Britt was one of those cases, I believe, last year as well, but the one that comes to mind for me is Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram signed a one-year contract with the Houston Texans, and at the trade deadline, they flipped him for a fifth-round pick to the New Orleans Saints. So essentially, for giving up cap space that otherwise wouldn't have gone anywhere, the Texans got additional draft capital that will slowly help them headed into this rebuild. And so the Houston Texans find themselves in a position where they weren't going to spend big in free agency because they were already in a little bit of salary cap purgatory. The Texans went into last year with the 15th most cap space in the NFL, and right now the Texans find themselves with the 17th most cap space in the NFL, currently sitting at about $17 million, of which they can make that slightly larger if they so chose to restructure their contracts and of course they are now in a position where Deshaun Watson's trade is going to reset some of this stuff but if they agreed to restructures with uh, Laramie Tunsil and Kaimi Fairbairn they could eventually save up to 19 million dollars on the salary cap and so the Texans don't have anyone they can give the money to in this situation but they aren't doing the thing that the Jacksonville Jaguars did on the first day of free agency. And what the Jacksonville Jaguars did is what I like to call the quote-unquote Jaguars tax, which is the Jaguars spent the entire offseason accumulating, or I'm sorry, spent the last two years really ever since they traded Jalen Ramsey back in 2019. The Jaguars spent the entire time trying to get the cap space for this offseason to reset their books, reset their draft picks, and be able to go ahead and try and compete in free agency. If the Houston Texans trade Deshaun Watson, which is going to happen pretty soon, the Houston Texans would be set up with, at the moment, close to $141 million 
in available cap space for next year. Now, that's just because a lot of people hit free agency after this year. They'd like to re-sign some of those players. But if you put that up against the rest of the NFL, the Texans would have more available cap space than all but four teams in the NFL going into next season. And by the way, the New York Jets are doing everything they possibly can to spend that money. So the New York Jets might not end up being at the top of that list either, which is to say that the Texans are about a year behind the rebuild that the Jacksonville Jaguars are attempting to conduct right now. The Houston Texans have done a lot of the losing to get back to just even playing field. They now get their draft picks back and soon they'll get their cap space back. They were such a desolate situation that they hired David Culley to be a one-year shadow coach, fired him, hired Lovey Smith to be a one-year shadow coach, they're gonna fire him, hired Romeo Cornell as an interim for Bill O'Brien, they fired him after one year. Like, the Houston Texans are just in a place where they're like, we just need to get back to zero, and they have finally gotten back close to zero. The Texans aren't going to be able to do a lot of moves this offseason, but what they can do is follow the same strategy this year that they had in 2021. And I bring up Rex Burkhead now as the point for the Houston Texans. Rex Burkhead and Davis Mills are the only things the Houston Texans have to show for their rebuild. Like all of the all of the losing of the last 2 years and gutting the organization and bad publicity and a team pastor running the team and funding three different NFL teams best run of success over the last 15 years, the Dolphins, the Cardinals, and whoever acquires Deshaun Watson. They're all of those teams are going to be single-handedly funding their most successful run in 15 years courtesy of the Houston Texans. The Houston Texans, to get back to zero, made little moves like signing Rex Burkhead and signing Mark Ingram and using them as valuable pieces once the trade uh, once the trade deadline came around. They also traded, I believe it was Bernardrick McKinney in exchange for Shaq Mason and a draft pick. So using cap space to your advantage is something the Houston Texans can do in this situation to get draft picks, and at the same time, they want to preserve the cap flexibility that they have headed into 2023. And this is a really fine line to tread, because Rex Burkhead was undoubtedly a success for the Houston Texans. They gave him a contract extension. He's similar to Christian Kirksey, kind of this like guy who is going to be a transitional piece Someone who's going to be a leader, even though he only had 500 rushing yards last year and about 200 more receiving yards. Rex Burkhead is just going to be a guy who you'd like to have in the locker room as you go through this rebuild. And so whatever you're paying for him appears to be worth what you're getting. And it's not a lot, but these are the small moves that the Houston Texans have to make right now, which is don't compromise your long-term flexibility in exchange for short-term gains when it comes to getting players that, by the way, if you sign a bunch of one-year deals, you're still maintaining that cap flexibility, which is exactly what the Houston Texans did last year, which was sign a bunch of people to one-year contracts that ultimately preserved their long-term cap flexibility as they tried to go through this rebuild. They 
Uh, the reason I brought up the Brooklyn Nets earlier is because the Brooklyn Nets are the closest example to how deep in the hole the Houston Texans have been over the last two years. The Houston Texans have gone 8-25 and over the last two seasons and have only Davis Mills and Rex Burkhead to show for it. And by the way, Davis Mills was their highest graded draft pick in 2021, and Rex Burkhead was one of their major free agent signings last year and only gave them 700 yards of offense. So the Houston Texans are starting from literal chicken scratch. And the Houston Texans also find themselves in an interesting position where they should be going through the exact same strategy as last year. And what's interesting is that very few other teams are doing something like this. The Houston Texans are in a situation where Davis Mills had an above-average season based on what his expectations were. Davis Mills put up similar numbers to Tua Tungavailoa, who the Dolphins took with the number five pick. Texans got third-round value for Davis Mills. Neither of them are so solid starting quarterbacks. Like I feel like if you have Tua or you have Davis Mills, you're still looking for quarterback upgrades. And the Houston Texans are looking for quarterback upgrades, just not right now. But the Houston Texans have at least said, we're just going to let young guys play in an effort to try and find something. We're just going to try and find some diamond in the rough, some flyer one-year contract, some late-round draft pick. We're just going to hope that we can find something to help us turn this ship around. And it's going to take a long-ass time to turn that ship around. This is a like bare-bones situation. This is what I like to call year two of a five-year rebuild for the Houston Texans. But one of the ways that they're going to have this success is by having Davis Mills and Rex Burkhead together, you know, playing on offense. But finding more Davis Mills and Rex Burkheads are going to be the move here. One-year flyer guys on their way out of the league, someone who could end up turning things around when given an opportunity to play that maybe they just didn't have in other places, or someone on their last legs who ultimately you can flip for value like you did for Mark Ingram. As much as the Houston Texans were working with peanuts, they did the best they could while working with peanuts. And that's something interesting is what do you do when you have to deal with the repercussions of past decisions that you've made. When it came to the Seattle Seahawks, the Seattle Seahawks ended up trading Russell Wilson because they tried to do everything they could to build around Russell Wilson. They traded two firsts for Jamal Adams. They drafted DK Metcalf. They signed Lockett to an extension. They did. They traded for Gabe Jackson. They tried what they could to build a winning team around Russell Wilson, and when it didn't work out, and when they didn't have the draft picks, and they didn't have the cap space to make improvements, the Seattle Seahawks ultimately alienated Russell Wilson, and Russell Wilson got traded. The Texans did the same thing with Deshaun Watson before his legal battle went on, and the reason Deshaun Watson is probably going to get traded is a combination of both, but Deshaun Watson found himself in a situation where he was ready to go because the organization did not listen to him, did not care about the, the you know his say in decision-making in the organization, traded DeAndre Hopkins, which he was quiet about when DeAndre Hopkins was traded, and then alienated J.J. Watt, went 4-13, and even though they were incredibly unlucky in one-possession games that year, and he was ready to leave because of the repercussions of past decisions that Bill O'Brien and Nick, uh, Jack Easterby 
ended up making to dis- to dismantle that organization like within 6 months dismantle a team that was almost it was up 24 to 0 on the Kansas City Chiefs heading to an AFC Championship game at home against Ryan Tannehill's Titans like dismantled all of that so quickly that within a year Deshaun Watson is saying nope I am out of here and it's a similar situation that happened with Russell Wilson it just took an extra year for the Seahawks to get to a place where they were ready to move Russell Wilson and so Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson both find themselves in situations where the their decision to leave they are the gold ticket that everyone tries to find in the NFL when you've dealt when you've made bad decisions in the past and you have to live with the repercussions of those decisions how do you pivot as a franchise because the Houston Texans way of pivoting is we are going to work with the peanuts that we have we traded all our draft picks we traded our star players or cut our star players in the case of JJ Watt and we just dismantled the organization altogether we are going to be bad for five years we're going to do our best to try and find a generational talent at the top of the draft and in the meantime let's use short-term cap space to try and acquire long-term viable pieces it's the best we can do in this situation and by the way other teams in similar situations have followed the same strategy I don't think there's ever a situation that's been quite like the Houston Texans. The Brooklyn Nets in the NBA are the closest example I can think of to that. And in Major League Baseball, the Los Angeles Dodgers used Moneyball and their minor league farm system as a way to find players on the outs with other teams and develop them into star players. Justin Turner was cut by the New York Mets, signed a minor league deal with the Dodgers, and became the face, or at least one of the faces, of the Dodgers over the past seven years by retooling his swing. Max Muncy was waived by the Oakland Athletics, signed a minor league deal with the Dodgers, got his chance in the majors, retooled his swing, hit 35 home runs. Similar situation that the Texans are in right now. Take flyers on people that are on their way out of the league. Give them an opportunity to play football for a team that's going to be bad next season. The Houston Texans are going to be bad. The Jacksonville Jaguars' decision to spend... 200 plus million dollars within three hours means the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to be better next season but it doesn't mean long-term viability will work out for the Jacksonville Jaguars now they might have the golden ticket in Trevor Lawrence I think most people would argue who's a player in the NFL right now who isn't a generational star but has the best chance of being a generational star I think most people would say either Chase Young or Trevor Lawrence and so the Jaguars are hoping that that ticket cashes and it saves all, solves all of their issues. And if it doesn't, they'll be back at the top of the draft at the time the Houston Texans are trying to make a charge in the AFC South. But both of those franchises are starting from such a shitty position where they are essentially, I mean, I talk about minor league football. The Houston Texans and Jacksonville Jaguars are the closest thing you can find to inept right up there with the Detroit Lions and the New York Jets and the New York Giants and to a certain extent the Carolina Panthers as of recently. And there's a lot of teams you can point to. Washington football team. There's a lot of teams you can point to. Cleveland Browns, Las Vegas Raiders. There's a lot of teams you can point to that have been inept over the past 20 years. And even still, the Houston Texans take the cake among those teams. I talked about last week, like, I ain't going to front. I don't think this is going to work out for the Houston Texans. The Houston Texans are going through a five-year rebuild, and that five-year rebuild still probably won't work out unless they find a magical generational quarterback through the draft, trade for a generational quarterback, 
or draft a generational linebacker with the third pick in this year's draft. Maybe they luck their way into finding a third-round generational talent like Dak Prescott or Russell Wilson or Davis Mills, for those of you who really want to believe in Davis Mills. Uh, Maybe they luck their way into finding one of those guys, but the more likely scenario for the Houston Texans is that They trade Deshaun Watson, they get a plethora of assets, they build a team that's good enough to maybe make the playoffs in three years, but without generational talents, they will lose to the teams that have generational talents. And there's no shame in that situation. It's really, really hard to find one of those guys. It's easier than it's ever been before, but it's still really hard to find one of those guys. And by the way, the Jacksonville Jaguars and the New York Jets And all those teams that are spending tons of money in free agency this year, they're not going to find those guys in free agency. The Pittsburgh Steelers aren't signing Mitchell Trubisky to be the long-term solution for their franchise. They're signing him because they can't find anyone better. And the Jacksonville Jaguars are signing Christian Kirk and Evan Ingram and Zay Jones and Brandon Sheriff and Foyer, I'm not going to try and say his last name again, I apologize to him, I don't have it in front of me, they're not signing all of those players and drafting Travis Etienne and drafting Lavishka Chenault and you know, re-signing Jamal Agnew who went to my high school. They're not bringing in all of those players because those are the long-term options. Those pieces are supplements for Trevor Lawrence. And I still think it's not enough to revive Trevor Lawrence because I don't trust the Jacksonville Jaguars organization. And today really goes against their decision making. Like this week is showing that the Jacksonville Jaguars are just following the minor league football playbook, which is we can get a team that finishes third in the AFC South with just money by willingness to spend money. We can finish third in the AFC South and maybe we can be the Steelers and luck our way into the seventh seed in the playoffs. The Jacksonville Jaguars probably aren't good enough to do that, but their success will come down to how good or how bad Trevor Lawrence is. The Houston Texans' success at this point comes down to finding their Trevor Lawrence. And since they can't find it in free agency, they're about to trade their Trevor Lawrence into Sean Watson because they've alienated him and ruined that situation over the past two years. Prior to Deshaun Watson having legal allegations, legal matters against him, they were going to trade him before a year ago when 22 cases of sexual harassment and sexual assault were brought against Deshaun Watson. They're about to dump that guy. Their way is trying to find another one, and since they can't find it in free agency, they might be able to find it in the draft, but they won't be able to know for another two or three years. And because the Houston Texans don't have the cap space or assets to trade for one of those guys or are in the state of a franchise to find one of those guys, they are tanking and if the Texans are tanking it serves them well to sign a lot of players to one-year contracts similar to what they did last year or to sit pat and say the team we have is the team we're going to field we're not concerned about winning we are concerned about trying to find diamonds in the rough that is where the Houston Texans stand going into free agency I know it's not a glossy picture of the Houston Texans but next year they may have tons and tons of cap space at their disposal and maybe with that tons and tons of cap space at their disposal the Houston Texans will be able to compete for one of these star type of players in a trade market 
Maybe they can supplement their star player. I don't know if it's going to be Hutchinson or Kyle Hamilton or whoever they hope to draft with the number three pick who becomes the next Chase Young or becomes the next TJ Watt. Whoever they draft there, if that pick hits and then they get to next year and it's their turn to sign all the Christian Kirks and sign all of the the, uh, Zay Joneses of the world like the Patriots did in 2021 and the Dolphins did in 2020, and the Jets did in 2019, and the Lions did in 2018. If it's their turn to be that team, then they'll be that team who tries and re- and signs a whole bunch of people so that they too can finish third in the AFC South, just like the Jacksonville Jaguars are trying to do this year. By the way, just to talk about that situation a little bit more with the Jaguars, because I know it's in the AFC South, the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to be better next year. I'm not saying that the players they signed today don't make them a better team. When I'm saying there's a team like this every year. We all joke about it. It's the team that spends all their money in the first day of free agency and immediately gets better because now they're no longer tanking, and so they're better than the teams that are actively tanking. The Jacksonville Jaguars, last year's version of that was the Patriots. The Patriots improved four games in their first year. Year before that, it was the Jets. The Jets won seven games their first year after signing all of those players, which was an improvement from the four-win season the year before. In 2020, it was the Dolphins. The Dolphins went from going five and eleven to going nine and seven, or I'm sorry, ten and six. They went not five and eleven to ten and six year over year. And the 2018 Lions went from, I believe, four wins to eight wins or seven wins. I think it was four to seven wins. And the 2016 New York Giants, who spent a ton of money in free agency, went from seven wins to 11 wins year over year. So the Jaguars are probably going to improve four to five wins because they're no longer a tanking team. And the players that they signed undoubtedly will make them a better team than last year. Add in that Travis Etienne is going to play for the first time. Uh, in his career. They're going to get Lavishka Chenault back from injury. They're going to get James Robinson back from injury. Uh, Jamal Agnew comes back after he ended last year on injured reserve. The Jacksonville Jaguars are going to be a better team next year than they were this year. And that's because they're just adding so much talent to the team that they're going to be better than the six teams in the NFL who are actively trying to lose next year, which I, if I can name them off the top of my head are the Texans, the Seahawks, the New York Giants, not quite the New York Jets. Uh, who else would be in this camp? The Raiders might do it. I'm, we're waiting to see what the Raiders decide to do. Um, the Lions are in this camp. The Bears are in this camp of teams that are like, I mean, the Bears have Justin Fields, so we'll see what they end up doing. But I'd say of the teams that are actively trying to be bad next year, let's say four to five. There's usually five to six every year. One of them might sneak up and surprise us, and they decide to dump everything right before the season starts. But for sure, we can say the Texans are trying to get the number one pick. The Seahawks are trying to get the number one pick. The Oh, the Panthers are interesting. The Panthers aren't trying to get the number one pick, but they might be. They're going to go five and 11. The Panthers always go five and 11. So Texans, Seahawks, Lions. So the Texans, the Seahawks, the Giants, and the Lions are all actively trying to get the number one pick in the NFL draft. It's no guarantee that they'll get it. 
they're just the teams that we know for sure are trying to get the number one pick. And for the Houston Texans, that kind of puts them in an interesting position because they can probably fend off all of those teams. The Texans are going to really suck next year. And the Jacksonville Jaguars now get to be out of that group after two years of having the number one pick in the NFL draft. They're going to actually try and squeeze into the playoffs as a seven seed and hope that Trevor Lawrence's development will be improved by a bunch of mid-level free agents. So the state of the rest of the AFC South, Titans signed Harold Landry to a long-term deal. They're going to be in cap hell over the next couple of years as they try and keep their team together. Colts are trying to figure out their quarterback situation which will be incredibly interesting. They obviously traded Carson Wentz last week to Washington, which I was surprised by because that was the Indianapolis Colts deciding to just save money and not keep Carson Wentz around because they they didn't really love Carson Wentz in the first place, and I think it ended in a poor way such that the Colts were ready to move on, and they'll take a lesser quarterback than Carson Wentz in exchange for the salary cap relief. They still have the most cap space in the NFL, like the Indianapolis Colts seem to have every single year because they've built an incredibly sustainable model of success in trying to value salary cap flexibility over all else. It's really a model that should be beholden by a lot of other teams. I know some teams can't do that because Patrick Mahomes needs to make 20% of your salary cap or the Tennessee Titans or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are spending tons of money or the Packers are spending tons of money like I get it's not viable for everyone else and you know the Colts would be in a better position if they still had Andrew Luck but at the same time it's a model that should be beholden by other teams it's not the only way to build a successful team but it is a pretty good way to build a successful team and it works because Chris Ballard is really really smart when it comes to drafting. So that is our free agent preview here on the Believe in Houston Texans podcast. Make sure to leave a five-star review and subscribe and download and do all of the great stuff to help support us. Uh, See who the Texans sign here in the next couple of days or see if any other players other than Justin Reed end up leaving the Houston Texans as the Texans decide to bring in Terrence Brooks returning to the team and AJ Can and Justin Britt. They bring those faces back to the team as they also lose uh, Justin Reed at the same time. So we'll see what the Houston Texans end up doing over the next couple days. They won't be big names, but I'll be interested to see who are names that end up being signed by the Texans over the next couple days as maybe flyer types of people. It'll be interesting to watch. I appreciate each and every one of you for stopping in here. Uh, If you want to hear more from me, Take It Easy podcast. It's available on Believe. I also do stuff with the Slump Buster podcast and the Red Rain podcast with SB Nation's Arizona Cardinals page. You can check out all of my work with the link in the description to this episode as well. Thanks for stopping in, everybody. And uh, I hope you have a fantastic day. I would say take it easy, but this isn't the Take It Easy podcast. Enjoy your day and uh, enjoy the Houston Texans football. Still the worst run franchise in all of North American professional sports. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.